such a fun, fun song. Will you all pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this glorious day you've given us to come together and worship you, Lord. We thank you for this house that you've built. We thank you for all the people that you've put in it, both here and online, Lord. And we just thank you for all the many blessings that you pour out upon us. We want to take this opportunity now to just join with you in a moment of silent prayer. Uh, we want to confess our sins, any issues, anything that's holding us back from turning our attention to you and worshiping you fully today, Lord. We just want to take those things and leave them at the foot of the cross, knowing that you will resolve those issues and open our eyes to see you today, Lord. So again, Father, we just thank you for this glorious day. We thank you for all of your love and all of your grace and your mercy that you pour out on us. And uh, most importantly, Lord, we just want to thank you for the gift of your son. Uh, we pray all these things in his holy and precious name. Amen.
I'm going to read uh, this morning. I'm going to read this morning from the book of Ephesians. This is uh, the second chapter, verses 4 through 10. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them.
that. I had to do it one more time. This is the part where you pray, Terry. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it is. See? See? I didn't like the way I finished that. But this is after. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Will you uh, heads down, hearts up, Father God? Uh, thank you for uh, thank you for your Son Jesus Christ, His life, His death, and His resurrection, so that we may have eternal life with you. Father God, be with us today. Be with Tom as you speak through him. Speak words of of love and mercy and forgiveness. And Father God, may we be your hands and feet of that love and that mercy and that forgiveness. Father God, we uh, our country is in a in a state of turmoil. So please help light of your of your son and your life in Christ's name amen amen good morning welcome to hope it's good to have you with us as we worship God together here today a um, few things going on around here you ought to know about uh, first of all if you are visiting or if you are in need of prayer we encourage you to communicate with us uh, you can do that on this handy little strip of paper in your bulletin, or you can email us if you're watching online and uh, let us know how we can be in prayer for you and your needs at this time. Uh, so also, uh, we are going to do the Samaritan's Purse, um, uh, what's it called, the shoebox, what's it called? Operation Christmas Child. How I just do a total blank. We do this. We've done it before, so we've you know, anyway. Um, so here's how it works. There's a there's a thing in your bulletin, and we will uh, try to get something on our Facebook page or online where you can find it as well uh, to get those details. But you you take these instructions, you get a shoebox, and you fill it with items that are not edible. They're just little gift items, practical things. I think we do like toothbrushes and band-aids and things like that. And then these boxes are distributed through a ministry called Samaritan's Purse all over the world to children, really in this country and everywhere. It's an amazing distribution process. Um, but to get those boxes in the hands of those kids by Christmas, Samaritan's Purse has a collection point that's right around Thanksgiving. Rose, do you know the date? So the Sunday prior to Thanksgiving. Okay. So we want, we, I have it in here as November 15th is our first collection day. That's a week from today, right? Okay. Okay. So this is the week. Okay, and you can drop it off here. If you get a shoebox or two filled, uh, you can drop that off here. Uh, just put it under the awning on, near, near the entrance where, because it's not going to rain anyway. We're in San Antonio. Um, but you can leave it here if nobody's here. Just leave it here. If we're here, go ahead and knock, and we'll come get it. But uh, this is the week, or you can bring it with you next Sunday. That'll be plenty of time. Um, and then if we need to extend, we can. Is that what you're saying, Rose? So people could bring it here on the morning of the 22nd if they had to. Yes. All right. But for now, we'd rather have them this week. 
yes. Okay. All right. So that's, that's in progress. And then once we conclude that, we have some, some gifts that we'll be putting a sign-up genius out for, for some of our blueprint families. Those are urban San Antonio families that we serve through our youth missions trip every summer uh, right here in San Antonio. And so you'll have a way to bless those families that we have a long-term relationship with through Blueprint Ministries. It's a great way to just share the love of Christ during Christmas. Um, let's see, youth group tonight, 6 o'clock, right here in person. Um, we have a Zoom Bible study on Tuesday nights at 7 encourage you to zoom in for that. We have Wednesday nights at 7, a book discussion that's ongoing. We've done a couple different uh, books uh, and things through that discussion time uh, since COVID started. But right now we are reading through the Victorian era novel, Uncle Tom's Cabin, written by Harriet Beecher Stowe. Uh, if you have not joined in, um, it's... Uh, it's worth a read. It's, it's not easy to read, um, not because of the, some of the subject matter and the, the things that happen to these, the characters that she develops in the novel, but um, it's generated some good discussion, and I think it will continue to do so. So I encourage you to zoom in on Wednesday nights for that at 7 o'clock and just be part of that conversation. Um, somebody's fantasy football team needs updating. Um, and I've seen your fantasy football team scores, and you need to manage that team badly. So you have permission to take some time during worship. Not this year, <laughs> All right. Um, what else? All right. Are we good? Am I forgetting anything? Comments, questions, snide remarks? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? All right. So... We are uh, in the midst of a uh, sort of a brief series of messages through the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13. And the reason we're doing that is uh, one of our members had a wild idea to, ha, see what I did there, wild, wild flower idea to plant some wildflower seeds in our field and then when hopefully sometime around Easter, we would have some beautiful flowers in and around which the kids can hunt for Easter eggs. And uh, so to do that, we had to go buy some wildflower seed. So I told you, she shall remain anonymous. Jen Townsend <laughs> went to Wild Seed Farms in, where is that, Fredericksburg? And you've been there, I'm sure, you drive by the place and it's just this solid field of blue bonnets or Indian paintbrush or whatever the field happens to be growing. It's an amazing place, really. And she starts having this conversation with the guy that's kind of a, the local guru on wildflowers. And then that turns into this conversation about needing to sow the seeds. The parable of the sower is in Matthew 13. We looked at that last week. And... Matthew chapter 13 is a place in the Gospel of Matthew where Matthew concentrates a, a large number of little uh, parables about the kingdom of God and what that means. And this is Jesus' primary 
theme in his ministry and teaching when he was on earth was developing this idea of the kingdom of God, the coming of the kingdom of God. Uh, you see that even in the Lord's Prayer. You see that, that language in there. It's, it's very central to the message of Jesus Christ. And so Matthew turns in chapter 13, with the, beginning with the parable of the sower, to begin to develop the theme of the kingdom of God. So we're going to look at another parable, another agricultural parable in Matthew chapter 13 today. We're going to just, for four, four Sundays, I think, we're just going to be in Matthew chapter 13 looking at these metaphors that have to do with the kingdom of God. So let me uh, open us with prayer, and then we will read the, this portion of the Gospel of Matthew and get started. All right. Father God, we thank you for time to pause before you and open your word. And we pray that as we do that this morning, that you would be at work through the indwelling power and presence of your Holy Spirit to speak to us, to even read what's in our hearts and reveal to us what we need to know and what we need to change in our own hearts and lives. And Lord, as we prepare to do that, we acknowledge before you that we are sinners in need of your grace and we thank you for the forgiveness and mercy that are shown to us on the cross of your son Jesus Christ and all that he did there to establish our freedom from sin and give us the promise of eternal life with you and so Lord we lay at the foot of your cross this morning the burdens of our hearts that we might be more free to encounter you here through your word today. We lift before you those whom we know and love who are sick, and we pray for your healing mercies upon them. We lift before you those whom we know and love who mourn and grieve, and we pray your comfort over them. We lift before you, Father, um, our nation in these uh, crazy times and we just pray that your will would be done, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We just pray for our men and women in uniform. We ask that you would watch over and protect them. We pray for especially for those who are deployed overseas, and we just pray your protection over them. We pray that you would be with their families as they are apart from one another. Um, we lift up our leaders at every level of government, elected and appointed, and we pray that you would give them wisdom and discernment in the decisions that are before them. We lift up your church here at Hope and around the world. We think of all the churches that we are connected to through our denomination and the, the church plants that we are starting uh, here in Texas and around the country and then through our missionaries and all the work that you're doing through them all over the world, and we lift them up to you. We pray your blessing over them. We think of our, our sister church in Kamahuani, Cuba, and we just pray your blessing over the work you're doing there as well. And Lord, we pray that you would be with us now by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we will be... In Matthew chapter 13, I'm going to begin reading in verse 24, and then I'm going to skip a few verses that we will deal with next week, 
he's, he, he teaches this parable that we're going to read about the sower and the weeds, the wheat and the weeds, or the wheat and the tares, as it's traditionally known. Um, and then he gives a couple other parables, or at least one, and then he come, the disciples pull him aside and ask him, what was that first one all about? And Jesus explains it. So we're going we're gonna to listen to the parable as it was, as it was told, and then we're going li- to read the portion where he explains the parable to his followers. So that's what we're going to do. And we're going to start that in Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain... Then the weeds appeared also, and the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them, Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then in verse, starting in verse 36, then he left the crowds and went into the house and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. So I want to go meet this guy in Fredericksburg sometime. So he's, he's sort of this, um, he owns Wild Seed Farms. He's a farmer. Um, and what's the, what's, give me some adjectives to describe him. Like, is it grumpy? Is he a little bit grumpy? Okay. All right, so he's not always grumpy. He's not always grumpy, but when somebody who's truly a handful comes in and stays there in front of him, I'm getting an amen from Jen's sister. This is awesome. Yes. Uh, Hallelujah. Amen. Hands up. This is going crazy in here. Um, So, so I want you to think about, so here's the, here's the situation. We have, we have a field next to our property that is a little unruly and it's got some thorny thorn-bearing plants and 
sticker burrs out in that out in them grasses out there, right? And so when you're thinking about sending your precious children out into the wildflowers to hunt Easter eggs, right? You want to do you want to like get the stickers out. So Jen is talking to this owner of Wild Seed Farms about well, how do we get there? We got stickers. We got to get the stickers out. We got the kids are gonna. Easter egg hunt, we got to get the stickers. The guy goes, stop. Stop. Stickers are the devil, which is a direct quote from the owner of Wild Seed Farm. Stickers are the devil, and you're not going to get rid of them. So just go out there and throw your wild seeds, your wildflower seeds out, pray for rain, and hope that when the spring comes, you'll have some beautiful wildflowers. You're not going to get rid of the stickers. Just throw your seeds out there. And so Jen and I are debriefing this, and then I'm looking at Matthew 13, and I'm like, this is, like, did this guy read this chapter? (laughs) Like, this is right, this is spot on. And so, (laughs) so this is what I want us to talk about today is the the sticker burrs in life, the sticker burrs in the world that interfere and frustrate the development of our faith, of our healthy relationships, of all that is good and right in the world, the things that are growing right there next to them that are disruptive and damaging to the progress God wants to make in our own hearts. And so as we look at this parable, we're going to... um, do a couple of things, but first we're just going to try to move through the parable itself and and listen to what it's saying to us, and we're going to start with this comment from the old guy at Wild Seed Farms, don't worry about the stickers, just sow your seed, don't worry about the stickers, you can't get rid of them, so just sow the wildflower seeds. We, in our lives, we should not be surprised by the appearance of evil in and around what's going on in our lives. We should not be surprised when something becomes frustrating or when someone becomes oppositional or damaging to what we believe is God's will and the progress of his grace in the world. We should not be surprised. You can't get rid of the stickers. They're out there. They're growing everywhere. They're all around us. This is part of life. And one of the things that Jesus is trying to communicate in this parable is that these are, there are things that are outside our realm of control. Don't be surprised by the frustrations that come up in the course of daily life. We should not be surprised by evil. Our enemy never sleeps. You, you see this, this image of Jesus you know, overseeing the sowing of seed in, in the field of the world, and he throws good seed out there, but someone comes in while his crew is sleeping, that's probably us, and they sow sticker burrs in his wheat field. And we are in the battle between 
good and evil. This is who we are as God's children. We are placed at the focal point on the front lines of the battle between good and evil. You are his weird army that he has deployed into the world to show people light and love and grace and forgiveness and peace and all the other things that come with being a child of the kingdom of God. Those are your weapons. You don't get to, you don't get to use anger or hatred or fear. The weapons placed in your hand in this battle are grace, love, forgiveness. Well, we could just go through the fruits of the Spirit, right? Man, it's been a long time. Love, peace, joy, love, joy, peace. What does it start with? Love? Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness. Ooh, I don't want to know. No self-control. I don't We'll just leave the self-control. We'll just stop. Right? We've got to stop somewhere, right? We'll just stop, right? Yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, yes, self-control. I heard you, God. Um, I was just, I was doing great. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Well, no, no, we're just faithfulness. Yeah, we're, just, we're good. I was doing fine. Our enemy never sleeps, and you are going to have sticker burrs around you in the field of life. There is a temptation as Christians to believe that the world should be more perfect because of our faith, that our church should be more perfect because we all share that faith. And what Jesus is saying is sort of true on multiple levels, right? Just because Jesus died to forgive me of my sins and brought me to the awareness of that gift doesn't mean that I'm always going to be a nice guy, right? Like, it's, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't fix me permanently in place immediately. The our, our personal selves, our church, our jobs, our families, our any circle or sphere of influence around us works the same way. There are going to be sticker burrs. There are going to be frustrations that cause pain and discomfort at best. And we are, we are called to move into those places and either be the good seed or sow the good seed, but we're not to be surprised by evil. We're to trust in the power of the gospel. And this is sort of what the guy at Wild Seed Farms was saying, is like there's this, there's this beautiful thing that happens when you take the step to, to throw these seeds out into God's world. There's this beautiful process that begins. And those seeds will fall into the dirt, and about three-fourths of them will be eaten by the harvester ants. Um, <laughs> we have some very well-fed harvester ants now. Um, but some of them won't. They will fall into the little cracks in the, in the soil, 
and they will eventually get watered, and they will eventually germinate, and they will begin to grow. And at that stage, there's nothing spectacular that you can perceive. They're just like any other plant. They're, they're you know, pushing the chlorophyll out into their leaves. The light hits it. It causes, what do they form, glucose or something like that? Photosynthesis it's, makes glucose, right? Okay. Yeah, and other stuff. And so those plants begin their natural process, and then they flower. And they tend to flower in, in sync with one another by species. And so you get one wave of flowers, and then you get another wave of flowers. But the problem is, if you've ever gone to take pictures of your kids in the blue bonnets, there's stickers, and there's ants, and there's all kinds of other things that aren't pleasant that are out there. And we have to just trust in the process that God has started, that he will bring the growth, that he will develop us into the people that he wants us to become, along with the ants and the thorns and everything else that evil presents to disrupt the progress of the gospel. God is good, and good is stronger than evil. And yes, there are days, there are weeks, there are months, there are years, there are seasons of life where you will not believe that's true. You will not believe that good is stronger than evil. You will be tempted to believe that evil has overcome that evil has prevailed and good will never emerge again. It's not true. The truth is right here. And God says that his word will prevail. Let me read you a, a little passage from the Gospel of Isaiah. This is in chapter 40, starting in verse 6. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And this is the place of strength, and eternal hope that what we are doing spiritually in this engagement of our creator through his word will, will bear eternal fruit. And the enemy cannot take that from you. What God has done in you is irremovable. It's irrevocable. You belong to your father in heaven. And he loves you. And so... We have to trust in the power of the gospel to know that good is stronger than evil and that God will sort it all out. And one of the things that I, that I marvel at in, in the person of Jesus is his absolute fearlessness in his preaching. And... He, he turns at the end of this parable to a very uncomfortable subject of, of 
eternal perdition of hell itself. And what I want you to take away from that is actually comfort. The reason that Jesus puts these words here and includes that in this parable is so that you can know that he will sort it all out. He's got this. You have a place in his family forever. And all those thorns and those causes of frustration in your life will be sorted out by God in his timing. And so we can have, we can have rest and peace and hope that, that God will take care of everything that needs to be taken care of in his time. And so don't worry about the stickers. Just sow the seeds and wait for spring. Just wait for spring. It's coming. Take heart because Christ is at work in you and in the world full of stickers and thorns. He's at work. His word is going forth through his people and it will never return to him empty. So you are part of this plan. You are, the, Jesus is saying when he explains the parable, those good seeds, that's you. And your purpose is to take root, look to the light, and grow. And so you are doing that. Even in the seasons of life where you don't feel like you're strong, you're growing. He's growing you. He is at work in your heart. And this will all be worth it. There's just nothing better, and maybe if you're not a native Texan, maybe it doesn't stir you the same way it does me. But a field of blue bonnets, it's just a beautiful sight. When it all comes together right, and they all bloom at once, and that bright, brilliant burst of color in an otherwise usually semi-arid climate is just, it's beautiful. It's a thing of, of just God's beauty on display. Wait for spring. There will be thorns. There will be rain. There will be drought. There will be every imaginable frustration along the way. Wait for spring. And Jen, if I'm not mistaken, the guy at Wild Seed Farms actually said, like, wildflower seeds do better in bad soil. That was, that's weird, right? Because um, we, were, we were thinking about, like, do we need to prepare the field? Do we need to, you know, topsoil, take the stickers out? And the guy's like, just, 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 just throw some seeds out there. They're not going to grow in the bag. We talked about that last week. They're not going to grow in the bag. So get them out there, throw them out, and don't worry about the thorns. And then hopefully, and here's the other like terrifying thing about this. We're doing this whole little sermon series about the parables of you know, the kingdom. And we're sowing wildflower seeds. And then the guy says, sometimes they really don't take the first year. 
it's the second year that they really get going. It's like, oh, great, great. Wouldn't that just be perfect? That would be, that would be Hope Church perfect. We get like two blue bonnets this year. All right. It's more than we, well, yeah, maybe. Keeping it real. This will all be worth it. Take heart and rest in the fact that God will sort all of this out. Did I already say that? I have two redundant points, and they're repetitive. Thank you. Thank you very much. Two shows nightly. Don't forget to tip your weight staff. All right. Jesus repeated himself. That's exactly right, Lois True. Thank you. All right. So there is rest that we are called into that is found in trusting that God has got this. And I do not pretend that that's always easy. It's not. But we are called to trust and we're called to rest, spiritually rest, to release all of this to him, to put the growth of those wildflowers in his hands. That's really what it's all about, is we're trusting God and resting in his promises. And so we release the future to him. This is his job, not our job. Our job is to respond to his grace, to reflect his light, to demonstrate to others what he has shown to us. And he will bring about the fruit of his will in our hearts and in our lives. We just need to release the future to him and keep the end in view. Christ has already won the battle of our hearts and the battle between good and evil. It ended on the cross in a way. But only in the same way, and this is a famous old analogy from some Christian long before us, not that long, but only in the same way that that D-Day ended World War II. When we landed all those allied forces on those beaches, finally, the war was as good as over. But there was a lot of battling left to finish the job. And so it's it's a similar aspect to the work of Christ on the cross. He, He finished the job. Those were his dying words. It is finished. And we are forgiven, and we are part of God's family forever. But as we realize that in our hearts and in our lives, in our church, in our families and elsewhere, there are thorns, and they hurt, and they frustrate, and it gets old. But we have to keep the end in view. There will be a glorious day in eternity, where God's people will be like that field of blue bonnets, singing his praises, gathered together, cleansed without any, th- any thorns or sticker burrs or anything else, to simply praise him and enjoy him. There was a guy named Daniel in the Old Testament 
and he was, he was visited by an angel of the Lord, and he was given a vision of the future. And I want to just read those words to you as I close today. This is from Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. I want you to see the similarities between the parable of the sower and the vision that Daniel is given here. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. At the end of the passage in Matthew, Jesus says, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. That's you. And that's you recognizing that Jesus is the fulfillment of all these promises. And there will come a day where you and I and all the rest of us, flawed as we are now, will shine like stars in the heavens on a good night. And we will be in God's family forever. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we confess that the sticker burrs discourage us and frustrate us and distract us from the glory that awaits us. That we get bogged down in the frustrations of life and we fail to look up see the light of your love shining before us, the future that you have for us in a place of glory and light and love that will last forever. And so, Father, we just pray that you would minister your word to our hearts, that here in these words we would find comfort and strength and hope and peace that we can rest in your promises and know that your son, Jesus Christ, has fulfilled your word and that your word planted in our hearts will endure forever. Father, thank you for that gift, for including us in your family and help us to shine that light of your love into the hearts and lives of those around us each and every day. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.